folks, without white folks, and be able to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Yemhotep, Indamana, Indamanesh, Nangadeh, Majro, Habaragani, Salbona, Anisogoma, Peace, War, Pan-African Greetings Family. This is Kamal McCasey Tahuti, and you have entered the expanded version of Africa's Reascension. As usual, we will open up with an apae or a libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. I go, I go, I go. Odumakumag, Inyame, Inyame Wa, a treaty upon. Olorun, Ngulu Gulu, Amen, Ra, Amen Ra, Beje Insa, Asasiya Insa, Abasum Insa, Abasum Po Insa, Nana Sergebi Insa, Nana Siketua Insa, Nana Dada Kofi Insa, Nana Tigray, Nana Tigray, Nana Tigray Insa, Nana Sankofa Insa, Nana Kumi Insa, Kwekufri Insa, Akonadia Bena Insa, Asubonte Insa, Ochewewa Insa, Taminsa Insa, Shango Insa, Ogun Insa, Oya Insa, Chehuti Insa, Maat Insa, Nana Nomen Samanfo Insa, in Samanfo Abasuafau Insa, Abasum Abasuafau Insa, Yeshrimo Yansa, Yeshrimo Ahude, Yeshrimo Enchera, Yeshrimo Sikapa, Yeshrimo Enquasso, Yeshrimo Enquasso Abasuafau, Ye Enquasso. As the Chu, Odumakumad, and Yame, and Yamewa, a treaty upon Olorun, and Gulukulu, use me and this form to impart clarity and cultural consistency to all within the sound of my voice. May I speak directly to their sumsum, their spirit, and reawaken the long, dormant, and asleep African, African inside them. Medasipa. Medasi bio, mo piafo, mo ne casa, medasi nanano, yo medasi nanano. The apae or libation is an ancient practice that is still done to this day in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. 
Again, this is Kamala Casey Tahuti, and you have entered the expanded version of Africa's Reascension. Greetings, everyone, in the chat room and in the call queue. Ah, this is going to be more of an off-the-cuff uh, discussion this week. We're going to go through and do some cleaning up of a few things that were expressed and said last week. And then um, we're going to delve a little bit again into identity. And on the show page I put this won't be the full part two exposition, so it's going to be more like a 1.5. Um, this identity piece is key, is key, and is crucial. Um, Baba Ajay Koto here in D.C., um, head of, one of the heads of the Ancobia Society, one of the heads of Nation House, a 30-year African-centered school that's been in existence, you know, for a while. He made the proclamation that, um, all of our energies right now need to be put forth on um, the identity piece, on getting folks, getting ourselves, getting our families 100% clear on our African identity, on who we are as an African people. Others, he, he, he has said, and um, Baba Baye, Kesba Mayra out of San Diego, they both have sort of said that while Du Bois said the struggle of the 20th century was the color line, the struggle of the 21st century will be the culture line. And one of the main points within culture is identity. Um, if culture is your basic blueprint for living, your basic blueprint on how you engage existence, then identity um, shapes who you are and how you go into that existence and how you look at yourself, other people who look like you, other people who don't look like you, the, 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 the rest of the universe and all of that. So how your identity is shaped then colors everything else. And that is why Caucasoids have spent so much time trying to get us to think that we are American or think that we are just some nebulous humans or think that we're just anything else but African. And unfortunately, we do even almost a better job of not being ourselves than, than white folks even imagined because there's so much confusion and so much stupidity within our own ranks, within the ranks of the black nationalist so-called conscious uh, camps that white folks can just sit back and, you know, continue to bomb other folks and continue to engage in um, soft cultural assimilation throughout the rest of the world, they ain't got to mess with us because they know that we are mentally just mind-effed based on what they've done to us. And, you know, they they, they, they sit back <laughs> and listen to these blog talk shows and 
they see all the confusion and hear all the yelling and all that sort of stuff, like, yeah, okay, we got these niggas. Let's go deal with some other stuff. We want to be everything else but African. Everything else. But I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to play a promo of another good show, a good blog talk show that comes on, and then do a little music, and then, like I say, get into cleaning up. First off, we're going to clean up some stuff that was done last week, and then after another break after that, then we'll move directly into the identity piece. So. Oh, and if anyone wants to get in on the conversation, our call-in number is 347-633-9561. Again, 347-633-9561. Africa's reascension. Peace and divine love, family. Do you want to critically analyze African culture from an intellectual, honest, and practical perspective? Are you tired of all the distractions, self-righteousness, yelling and arguing with no plan or solution? Do you want to build on the facts and deal with the subject or issue at hand? Well, come and listen to our nation's ambassador, Asar, make knowledge born every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. That's every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. on the show everyone is talking about, African Holistic Healing, at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar, spelled A-U-S-A-R. Or call in live to build or ask questions at 347-850-8653. That's 347-850-8653. Peace. Your right great-great-grandfather killed my great-great-grandfather. And your white great-grandfather my great-grandfather and your white grandfather raped my grandmother and your father stole, cheated, lied and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Yeah. 
by Brother Kaba. Um, I think if you go for he's got a Facebook, Kaba, K-A-B-A, Soul Singer, I think that is, that's it. That's where you can get um, a copy of the CD. Um, 
Brother is banging. <laughs> As you heard, brother is banging. So, last week we basically had a book discussion. We we, we talked about um, two books, Reading the World by Dr. Kwesi Konadu, and then we uh, went into the Malcolm X book by now Ancestor, possibly Ancestor, we don't know, uh, Manning Mirable. Um, what I mean is he could just be deceased We don't know if he's an ancestor As Brother Fukial breaks it down on, He's got a YouTube thing that talks about it There's a process of becoming an ancestor Every dead person doesn't just become an ancestor There's a process that you go through upon transition And, and if you lived right and if you do certain things Other things so then you may become an ancestor. So that's what I meant by that. But anyway, Manny Marable wrote the book on Malcolm X, and we did a preliminary discussion last week. Um, briefly on that, as I continue reading, I'm still not done with it. I, the title that all of you used for his one of his articles in dealing with the book. Still is is uh, the best explanation of it so far. His his title was Malcolm X: um, A Life of Reinvention, or the Reinvention of a Life. The more and more that I'm reading this book, uh, I'm hearing Mirable versus hearing and, and seeing and feeling Babo Mawali. Uh, I'm seeing Mirable's own confusion with what Pan-Africanism is and, and, and what black nationalism is versus any confusion that, that, that Babo Mawali, Malcolm X, may have had with it. And um, it's, 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 I'm going to finish it. I am going to finish it, but it's irking me more and more. And then for other folks who did what I should have did, started at the end and worked at the end <laughs> versus me, you know, I'm trying to do it from beginning to end. Um, and especially about his epilogue and, and how, you know, his penalty shaping Bob Omawali, it's really upsetting. But I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get through it. But I just want to, you know, as a small update, still go ahead and get the book. Still go ahead and get it. But it is not a definitive work. And... Uh, just understand that it's being written from a non-national, a non-black nationalist perspective. Because uh, when you read Marable's other works, he just did not understand black nationalism. He just, I, and so by him being the one that's writing this biography, who wrote this biography on on one of one of our greatest. Black nationalist, you know, of of the 20th century Gregorian calendar. Uh, there's a lot left to be desired from it, um, and that's still, you know, I'm about like again, I say about a third or fourth of the way through, and, and that's what I'm getting already. Now, within that discussion last week, we sort of. About 15, 20 minutes Got a bit sidetracked until I just had to Mute the person After I finally got where he was going um, Just had to mute the brother 
Um, we had someone who called in last week and um, raised two points that I sort of had issue with, um, and especially listening back to it, back back to it this week again, um, I was like, hmm, okay, this is something that I need to address, especially on Africa's Reascension, a show that prides itself on pushing cultural clarity and cultural consistency. Um, too many of these shows deal with confusion and yelling and screaming and all that sort of stuff. That's not what we're about. Um, we're about making sense of stuff and moving forward. So, last week, towards the end, I'm going to do this in reverse order because I've got two responses also, and the second response is longer. So, um, two things that the brother mentioned. Well, the first, one of the things that the brother mentioned was on Arabic and Arabism. And I'm going to play a clip from the show last week, and then I'm going to correct some stuff that I had said, and then I'm looking now just to make sure. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, Yeah, and then we're going to um, try to show and prove where there was some error in his thinking. Okay, yes. We we tend to uh run away from the word or the name Arab Arabic. Arab. See the Arabs, the true Arabs are original people. The true Arabs. You understand? Yeah, let me say this. I did some research I did some research on uh the Book of the Dead, uh the hieroglyphics. Don't you know Arabic was in those hieroglyphics? And that goes back thousands of years. So what we're doing, they don't want us to think that that language is our language. That are you is our language. The Meroitic, are you speaking of the Meroitic script that looks a lot like Arabic, which was when no, some when folks you, say Arabic was taken? Well, but when you trace the words, when you trace the true words, you'll see words that's in there that is true Arabic. You got, you're looking at the white Arabs. They're going to distort things anyway because they don't want you to see yourself. But when we take well, that no. language and really look into that language, we we definitely see ourselves in that language. See, but if there were, go ahead. But if we continue to uh, destroy that bridge that brings us across of understanding, and destroy those men who brought us to that understanding, and raised us out of a, a psychological grave. We will never get nowhere. That's why everybody's on top of us because they don't want us to aspire to our true identity. See, the men that come along to give us that, we we destroy them after a couple of years. We don't want to hear that stuff. And we right back into the Caucasus, side, as you said, and the Caucasus Mountains, eating pork and, and juleful roots and flesh raw. Flesh raw meaning uh, not actually flesh, but raw intelligence, raw made-up theory. That's why we're in the condition in which we are today. You see that in this country. In any country that you see us as a people, there's no unity. Because the body of that knowledge that we need is our soul, and they don't want us to have that soul. They don't want to have that life. They don't want to come they don't want us to come back to life. So 
so we can shake each other's hands and, and, and call each other brothers in the true language, in the true understanding. Not in no theory. We're talking about what, facts what, here. Right. What's you know, whatever you say, we're talking, about, we're talking about the facts. Arabic is a true language of the black man, of the original people. Uh, uh, well, listen, when you trace it back, trace it back. When you trace that language back, then you'll see it. You trace that right language back into the hieroglyphic, you will see it. But they I'm have sorry, uh, they have shrouded us so long. They have they have hooked, they have hoodwinked us so long that when we see ourselves, we think it's fake. We think it's a I'm myth. sorry, brother. I gotta meet you there. I want to play that whole thing one, so I'm not accused. One, so I'm not accused of um, sound biting someone to death, and two. Well, no, I guess that's it. Yeah, and then just yeah, just to be fair, um, we are African people. That means that we are roughly all black folks everywhere on the planet. From 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 the tangible, documentable evidence that we have, Homo sapiens sapiens is roughly three hundred thousand years old. Every single documentary that you may watch, Discovery Channel, uh, National Geographic, um, Spencer Wells, whatever, whatever, documentary that's talking about the history of humanity, it's now become commonplace to say, oh, we're all Africans. Black folks, black folks, everybody, we're all Africans. We all come from one mother mitochondria, DNA, and all that sort of stuff. We know that. We, we, we hear that often. If you continue to watch those documentaries or if you continue to listen to those people talk, the discussion then moves to those Africans that left the continent. The discussion then moves to those Africans that possibly uh, got transformed and de-evolved into Caucasoids. And then the totality of the rest of that documentary, which then gives the idea that the totality of the rest of humanity follows along Caucasoid history and Caucasoid reality. What all these documentaries fail to come back to is that the rest of the humanity that did not leave Africa stayed the hell in Africa, and that's us. That is us. We were the ones that were taken out of the continent during the second, during the involuntary migration and, and, and spread out throughout the rest of the world. But these documentaries never, ever talk about or, or, or just briefly talk about what the hell happened on humanity's first landmass. They focus. And, and, and I challenge anybody to find a documentary that doesn't do this. Outside of Basil Davidson, that's the only Caucasoid who's, who's, who's passed now who attempted to let Africa's voice talk for herself. Everybody else, I challenge you to find me one that's done by Caucasoids that don't go through this. Humanity starts once 
we leave Africa. Humanity flourishes once humanity de-evolves into Caucasoids. Why do I bring this up in relation to um, what the brother was talking about? I'm trying to show how old we are in relation to what he's talking about. And so this Arab thing, this Arabic thing, happens so late in our history that that alone should show that that ain't no damn true language for black folks. You've got this whole Niger-Congo group of languages <laughs> that, 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 that far predate Arabic in existence. You've got the different deeper um, Bantu languages. I'm blanking on what the, the Greenberg classification is of those languages. Those are, are, are far much older than some Arabic. And this one clip that I'm about to play from a good show, um, Brother Unk, and I'm glad I don't go up against him. I'm up at 9 or 11 then. I think he's from 11 to 1 or, or 12 to 1 or something like that. Um, he addressed this, and and he had this one, excuse me, pouch up. He, 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 he threw out this um, web page that talks about ancient scripts. And um, and so Arabic is, of course, one of them. And if we just want to go on this one site and, and, and hear, see what they said, they date the beginning of it at 3rd century CE. Not even a BC language. We know that Arabic is Islam is barely in in in, in its proper form a, a, a barely a BC religion, but even Arabic itself is barely a um, BC language. Third century CE versus African people being around on the planet three hundred thousand years. That is not a damn true, the true language for African folks. And and, and our, our chronologies are so far off in, in dealing with our existence that then any, since we don't know how old we are, since we don't deal with ourselves as Africans, anybody can come along and say any old thing, and we run with it and we go with it. So... I'm going to now play a clip from the Amira squad that, that, that in my opinion, <laughs> eviscerates this whole Arab piece uh, far better than I could. And see, folks, y'all going to get me to take three weeks off and put some information together to just eviscerate this Islam thing. I like eviscerating the Christian thing. That's where my area of emphasis is. Y'all going to keep pushing me <laughs> to do one on this Islam thing. I let other folks deal with the Islam thing. Uh, but I can get into it if y'all want me to. But I'm going to go with some folks that have dealt with it and and, and address this piece. Arab, Arabic is not the true language of stolen Africans or African people, period. 
uh, I noticed the similarity because when I looked at it, I said, wait a minute, at a distance you would think it was Arabic. You know, just by looking at the distance at the quote-unquote was at a stone in the, um, in the uh, middle column. Now, what is your take on comparing the Demotic and the Hieratic with the written Arabic script that we're familiar with, with the diacritic marks, um, the slants, etc.? Um, to put it simply, it is, it is and, I, and I tend to agree with this. Matter of fact, Professor James Smalls, not too long ago, um, did a full lecture on this. On um, the the script, and keep in mind, there's a difference between the script and the language. That mm-hmm. the script is a modification of the ancient Egyptian hieratic um, and demotic script. That that that's what the right. Arabic is. When you look at certain individual Arabic characters, and even like in the Sabaean script, and even in Gaez, um, a few of them, you can tell that these are just uh, modified Egyptian scripts. Or some with with some creations of their own. It's no different than the, the, the Hebrew script. The Hebrew script comes out of the ancient Egyptian um, scripts. So that proto-Sinaic script that you see is just yeah. the 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 Semites trying to write in trying to write their language using the the the, the Phoenician developed script, you know, which comes mm-hmm. out of Egypt in itself. So you can see the same thing developed. Yeah, you see yeah. the same phenomena happen with Coptic. And, and and then of course with the Coptic and the Greek, um, and the same thing with the Phoenician and, and, and the development of the Greek, which we over time get our English characters from, and it, it's just the same thing. They're just all modified versions of different, you know, um, African scripts. You know, uh, more specifically, the, the most direct influence being the uh, ancient Egyptian script. And remember that, you know, we have a we have a system of using the script, you know, in modern times, but there was. There's literally thousands of different designs of the ancient Egyptian script, uh, or ancient Egyptian script, some representing sounds and the most just representing concepts, you know. So some have, you know, some may derive from a concept that you're probably not that familiar with, and others are just plain as day. Like if you look at the sh sound, um, the, the glyph or the sh sound in, in Gaez, in Hebrew, and in Arabic, it's the same exact um it's a simplified version of the uh, the, the hieroglyph that has um, it's, it's usually either three reeds, you know, coming out of the ground from a just from a flat bar, or you also see another variation of the shift sound, which will have some lotus plants. It'll be three lotus plants uh-huh. uh, rising uh-huh. up out of a pool of water, you know. So this is this is the inspiration behind this sound, you know. Um, and matter of fact, um, there's there's uh, I can't recall the name of the article. But there's, the Arabs were able to decipher some of the glyphs um, uh-huh. prior to Champollion because in their language they're, they're, the glyphs matched, you know, so they were able to successfully, um, they weren't able to decipher the system, but they were able to identify successfully some of the, the, the phonetics of some of the hieroglyphs because they were matches in the Arabic language. So uh, it, it is my contention based, and, and, and this is shared between many scholars, that the the Arabic script is is a modification and adaptation of the ancient Egyptian script. Yeah, um, and I'm glad that you, um, just real quick, I'm glad you brought clarity there because in, a, um, in, a, in one of the short articles that I've written, 
um, about scripts. Um, mm-hmm. Jen is actually posted on the Facebook. I had showed a picture of the Everett script and put it next to or above um, the hieratic and demotic. So, you know, just want to thank you for bringing that clarification there. Oh, you, you, want, you want a better clarification? Watch this. Um, I was on the phone, <laughs> and, and me and Brother Ish was on the phone, and we was talking to the brother, the Muslim. Remember Ish? Indeed. And and uh, he Arabic. Out of Philly? <laughs> yeah, he, he's Arabic. Out of Philly? And he, and I think, no, no, Brother Bashir. Yeah, yeah, out of Philly. Okay, yeah, out of Philly. He reads Arabic, and he was trying to say, at first he made the crazy statement that Arabic is a mother tongue. And I said, where'd you get that from? He said, their particular prophet. Uh, And what's the community called? The Wishmakama community. I just called it the Palestinian community, because that's all y'all. The Ahmadiyya. Yeah, right, funny to me. And so he was like, wait a minute, the Rosetta Stone, this and that and the other. And so we went to the site, and he looked at it. He was like... Uh, he kept asking, so what did the uh, African language sound like? And I kept telling him, I said, bro, I said, what do you mean with this? What does this sound like? And so he went to the page, and he said, you know what? I told you I can read some of this. And I said, yo, you just proved it yourself. The fact that you understand some words in that script proves the point that Arabic had to come out of that. That's what we were trying to tell him, exactly. Right. I said, you just proved it to yourself. And he was shocked, and he got quiet, and it hit him. He was like, yeah, right. you're right. Killed him. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. That's what he, said. Yep. Yeah. he said that. It got him. The fact that he could kind of see some things and, and, and was familiar. And, and I know it amazed him. I know it killed him dead all at one time. Because that's how it come. The truth hits you, it startled you for a minute. <laughs> it makes you rethink your whole concept for a while. Arabic. Now I know in, in my in, in, if you in my preliminary in my comments last week I said the was did that did he was he making it from the Meroitic script and so that was incorrect as we heard it was went from the hieratic and the demotic when you look at those they sort of look Arabic and so so that was the first correction that I want to make is the demotic and hieratic but the second. The, the 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 language is is old, is new. Excuse me, compared to especially the the the, the Metu Netcher and, and the Metututs um, on the walls in ancient Kemet. But then we have other languages that are even um, older than, than Kemet. And so to attempt to say that that um, Arabic is is the true black man's language. Does that mean that we weren't speaking and saying anything to each other until the third century A.D.? I mean, think about that. When when you date the language, and if we go on that site, and and if we agree that Arabic didn't you know fully get out there as a language until third century A.D. How the hell are we communicating before then? Exactly. That's stupid. <laughs> and so then, so, Arabic is not the true black man's language and all that sort of stuff. Um, if anything, it probably wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for the demotic uh, 
and hieratic scripts um, of ancient Kemet. And so it always goes back to go home, go home, come back home. At the end of the day, it all goes back to the place that we now call Africa, period. Now, same brother last week, he, again, and and this was, you know, he took issue, I kept using the term Africa, Africa, Africa. And I'm like, I thought we was talking about the Malcolm X book. But anyway, I let it go on for a while. And and so he had a few choice things to say, unfortunately, about the word African as well. Speaking on, I want to speak on the name Africa and where the name Africa came from and the fact that we got to be free in name as well as in fact. You know, oh, okay. you, you Excuse me, you spoke on the Caucasus side, but we realize and understand through research that the African, the name Africa is still a European name. So we're gonna, if we're going to free ourselves as a people, we've got to free ourselves in name as well as in fact. We have to learn the fact that if we're going to learn history of ourselves, you're still dealing with the European history when you call us Africans. Now, every, everyone that has studied History, especially black history, know that where that name came from. See, we don't well, keep calling ourselves African. Listen, Africans, we can just keep calling ourselves a nigger or a Negro because okay, that's what he named us. Isn't it true? Let's go here. He let's naming he's he's naming our only way we can understand each other, brother, is through his language. I thought I had more to that clip. Okay, anyway. So, yeah, so that's some of what he had to say about the the name African. And so last week I made the point to say that it's all a theory. The, 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 the Latin breakdown, the Arab breakdown, that's theory we don't know. I'm still K-A- – my email is kamau301 at yahoo.com. I am still waiting for somebody to send me the reference on this CPO Africanus named Africa or Leo Africanus named Africa. Folks, I just saw somebody else, some crazy moor, throw that out on on a YouTube clip. And really, I'm like, where is everybody getting this from? I have yet to see it. I have yet to see the continent didn't have a name. CPO or Leo, one of because I first I heard Leo and now I'm hearing CPO. They come, and then boom, they they then then you see this African name. It, so so I'm really waiting for somebody to send me a reference on that, so then I can do some digging and see where they're getting this from. But what I tried to pose to the brother is that one, it's all theory, and that two. There is a very good African theory that has been put out there by our brother Kwesi Rodden the Hempata Akan. And for anyone that wants to listen to the whole, well, to, to read the whole thing, he's done like, I think, 32-page breakdown. 
if you go to, I'll put it in the chat room, ojirafo.com, O-D-W-I-R-A-F-O.com. No, Octa, ain't going to show that was me playing a clip from... <laughs> O-D-W-I-R-A-F-O. You want to go to this subject site, and he breaks down. He has, a, again, a whole big piece on Afuraka and his research and where he gets that from. And he shows you um, comedic stele, where this comes from. Uh, that that we can get on a plane and go to Kemet right now and, you know, dodge all the bullets and all the other stuff and get into some of the museums and look at it and witness it for ourselves. Is this what the people, you know, daily call the land? We don't know. But for me, it's a bit more than just coincidence that when you dig into uh, their cosmology on them talking about the beginnings of the planet and this first raised landmass. And it just happened. And, and what they came up with is the, the Ka of Afura. And then that got, you know, over time, it, it got pronounced as Africa. That just seems a bit too close to coincidence for me. So what I'm going to play now is I felt like I didn't do a good enough job. I said, like, no, let me say it this way. Last week I said, well, I can come back next week and play you the whole clip. So that's what I'm going to do now, where, where again, if you go to the website, I put it in the chat room, O-D-W-I-R-A-F-O, ojirafo.com. Um, you can download the clip yourself. Uh, and then he also has, again, like I say, maybe 32 pages, and he's got the stele right there for you for you to look at yourself. Again, myself personally, I'm saying it's all theory. We don't know. We had to go into a time machine and go back and see what it was called. But it's just starting to really irk me <laughs> that folks want to throw out the name piece when the bigger issue, and I said this last week, is getting the the values of the con- of the world's oldest continent, because we're their direct descendants. Everybody can you can say everyone is African, but we still look like them. And on deep deep levels that a whole bunch of people have shown and proved, we still act like them. And so we are the direct descendants of the oldest people on the planet. Other folks in between are our varied descendants, and Caucasoids are the distant descendants. They don't want to break it down like that. They just want to say, oh, we're all African. No, that's sort of true and sort of not true, both at the same time. So what I want to play now is, what I call the African theory of where the term Africa may have come from. If I can immediately find it. 
And again, you can get this and listen to it at your leisure and the whole thing on ojirafo.com. Ra is the name of the god who is the creator of the world. Ra'et is the name of the goddess who is the creatress of the world. Ra and Ra'et are two halves of a whole, two sides of one coin. That whole, that coin, is the great spirit of the supreme being. Ra, Ra'et, together are the great spirit who brought into being all of creation. They are the divine living energy moving throughout all that exists. Just as solar energy and heat move throughout the earth, the atmosphere of earth, throughout your body, throughout the bodies of plants, animals, minerals, so does the great spirit, Ra, Ra'et, move throughout, animate, give life to, the planets, sun, moon, stars, plants, animals, humans, the black substance of space, all that exists. Fundamentally, the supreme being's creative spirit, creative power, is who we call Ra and Ra'et. Ka is the male name, and Ka'et is the female name of the black substance of space. This substance is truly a divine substance. Ka and Ka'et are two halves of a whole, two sides of one coin. That whole, that coin, is the great soul of the supreme being. Ka and Ka'et, together, are the great soul who determines the form of all of creation. They are the consciousness, divine intelligence, operating within all that is created. Just as the tree comes into being and develops according to the design that existed in the seed, so does all of creation come into being, unfold, and take form according to the divine design of the great soul, Ka, Ka'et. Fundamentally, the supreme being's creative consciousness Creative intelligence is who we call Ka and Ka'et. Amen is the great God, the father of all. Amenet is the great goddess, the mother of all. Together, Amen and Amenet are the two halves of the great whole called the supreme being. When Amen and Amenet come together, they function as one great being, the supreme being. Ra and Ra'et proceed from Amen Amenet as the great spirit of Amen Amenet. They give life to all of creation. Ka and Ka'et proceed from Amen Amenet as the great soul of Amen Amenet. They give form to all of creation. Ra, Ra'et, the great spirit, moves within the black substance. Ka, Ka'et. This is the origin of creation. It is the expansive, contractive movement of the great spirit, Ra, Ra'et, which causes Ka, Ka'et, the black substance, to vibrate and separate into various forms. Just as water vibrates, boils, when heat moves through it, creating separate spherical or circular forms, bubbles, so did Ka, Ka'et, the black substance of space, begin to vibrate according to the movements of the great spirit, Ra, Ra'et, within it. It is because of the expansive, contractive movements of Ra, Ra'et, within Ka, Ka'et, the black substance, that spherical, circular bodies, sun, moon, stars, planetary bodies, earth, separate and were formed within it. These creations are the children of Ra and Ra'et. The great spirit invests its divine living energy into its children so that its children may live, so that they may sustain life and produce. As with all of their children, Ra and Ra'et invested their energy into the newly formed planetary body of earth. The substance of a new planet earth was a portion of the black substance of space. 
because of the movement of Ra and Ra'et within Earth, some of Earth's own black substance became fluid. This new fluid black substance of Earth is known as Mu and Mut, the male and female ocean, another child of Ra, Ra'et. Ra, Ra'et, invested their living energy into ocean so that ocean would sustain its own life and produce. As the great spirit, Ra, Ra'et, moved within the substance of Earth, the vibrations caused the black substance beneath ocean to surge outward. This black substance of Earth, which first emerged from beneath ocean, inherited the male name and title Ka, or Ka-Ka, and the female name and title Ka'et. The Earth's black substance inherited these two names from the black substance of space, Ka, Ka'et. The earthly Ka, Ka'et, this first black hill or raised land is another child of Ra, Ra'et. Ra and Ra'et invested their energy into the earthly Ka, Ka'et, and thus the earthly Ka, Ka'et, the primordial or first black hill, is able to sustain life and produce. The earthly Ka, Ka'et, the first black land raised up from beneath Mu, Mut, ocean, is the center of earth. It is the place from which the spirits of the original humans Plants, animals, minerals first receive their physical earth bodies in order to live, act, and execute their divine function in the world. Just as the great spirit, Ra, Ra'et, caused the black substance of space, Ka, Ka'et, to vibrate and separate into various forms, so did the movement of the great spirit through earth's first landmass cause separation and development of some of its matter into various physical forms. These physical forms became flesh within which the spirits of the original humans would enter. Afu means flesh, as in house or place of residence. Your flesh is a house or place of residence for your spirit. You are a spirit, a living energy moving throughout a body. Your spirit gives your body the ability to stand, walk, move, act. When the sperm cell of your father and the ovum cell of your mother united to become one cell, this newly formed physical cell became a place of residence for your spirit, and your spirit entered. Forty weeks later, you were born into the world. When death occurs, your spirit will leave the physical body. It will no longer reside in that particular house. When Ra, Ra'et, moves through matter, matter becomes Afu. Matter becomes the flesh, the house or place of residence of the great spirit. As Ra expands through matter, matter becomes the flesh of Ra. He is thus called Afu-Ra. As Ra'et contracts through matter, matter becomes the flesh of Ra'et. She is thus called Afu-Ra'et. As Afu-Ra invested his energy in the earthly Ka, primordial black hill, the first land to emerge from underneath ocean, the energy of Afu-Ra gave life to Ka. This first landmass is thus known under its male name as the Ka of Afu-Ra, Afu-Ra-Ka. As Afu-Ra'et invested her energy in the earthly Ka'et, primordial black hill, the energy of Afurayet gave life to Kayet. This first landmass is thus known under its female name as the Kayet of Afurayet, Afurayet Kayet, Afuraka, Afurayet Kayet. Afuraka is the region of earth where the primordial black hill, Ka, Kayet, first emerged from underneath Mu, Mut, ocean. Eventually, the rest of earth's landmass would emerge from ocean and separate. Afuraka, Afurayet is the region of earth where the goddesses and gods, the children of the great god and great goddess, Amen and Amenet, first descended and took up residence in nature. Afuraka, Afurayet 
the region of the earth mother where our ancestors and ancestors were born, lived, where they produced, worshipped, created, procreated. It is the place where they died, where their bodies, the first human bodies, were buried. It is the place from which their spirits crossed over into the spirit realm. Afuraka, Afuraikite, is the region of our earth mother where our ancestors and ancestors were born as Afurakanu, Afuraikaitnu, the people of Afuraka, Afuraikite. It is where the male individual, Afurakani, and the female individual, Afuraikaitni, realize this physical and spiritual tie to Amen, Amenet, Afura, Afuraet, Ka, Kaet, the earthly Ka, Kaet, the goddesses and gods, the ancestresses and ancestors, where they realize they're tied to one another, to animals, plants, minerals, the nature spirits, all of creation. A drop of water is born of ocean. A ray of sunlight is born of sun. A grain of sand is born of earth. Your being is born of the great being, Amen, Amenet. Your spirit is born of the great spirit, Ra, Raet. Your soul is born of the great soul, Ka, Kaet. Your body is born of a greater body, the earthly Ka, Kaet. The black energy substance in our organs and our skin, that which gives us our color, is derived of the black substance of space and was inherited through the bodies of our ancestresses and ancestors from the primordial black hill of earth. This black substance, melanin, whose male name is Kanu and female name is Katnut, is an energy substance made by Amen Amenet to be an instrument capable of receiving and transmitting the full divine living energy of the Great Spirit. It is the substance which allows our physical bodies to function properly as houses, places of residence for Ra, Raet. Kanu, Katnut, melanin, is the substance in the bodies of our ancestresses and ancestors which allowed their bodies to become possessed by the spirits of the goddesses and gods during rituals of song, dance, prayer, marriage, copulation, conception. This was an infusion of divine energy into our families, those of our families who had remained in Afuraka, Afuraikai, those who had not yet left to populate other parts of earth. Our descent from the original Afurakanu, Afuraikaitnu, the original people of Afuraka, Afuraikai, our descent from those families who remained in Afuraka, Afuraikai, to receive the spirits of the goddesses and gods. Our ability through Kanu, Katnut, Melanin, to properly receive and transmit the fullness of that divine energy. Our incarnation and reincarnation through these families. It is these things that identify us as Afurakanu, Afuraikaitnu, people of Afuraka, Afuraikai. It does not matter where we go now on earth, where we are born on earth. Our identity as Afurakanu, Afuraikaitnu, is maintained. We remain Afurakanu, Afuraikaitnu, in the physical world and the ancestral realm. So, thanks for being with me and that. I just wanted to play the whole thing. I'm big on playing whole things. Versus, so so folks don't try to say I'm soundbiting someone to death, and 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 I like to be able to give folks the entire context of of, of something, um, and I do that in my writing, and I'm trying to do that here in the blog talk sphere. <laughs> I'm making up a word now um, as well. So so again, that's. Another theory. 
that something else to put on the plate that that possibly is is another few bullets or another few clips in the gun to fight against um, identity confusion and and just general white supremacy. Um, I really like the fact that um, all of that information it it, it can be found. Um, by using African sources, by going to Kemet, by by reading the Metutu. Um, if and you know if you know what you're looking for, and if you know how to decipher things right, then boom, it's like right there in your face. And so, again, it, 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 can we go through the writings and find this is the place that we call the the, the, the place we now call Africa on a daily basis? I don't know. Right now, the jury would probably say no. And as I said in last week's show, before Europeans came, I'm hard-pressed to find any group that that had, um, you know, names for the totality of the the, the land masses that they were on. Um, So, so... If we want to go there, <laughs> then okay, you got me. But what can not be argued with is that East, West, North, South, Central Africa, pre-invasion, pre-Arab, Caucasoid, Persian, all before those invasions, you find a unity of living, a unity of culture, a unity of existence. Among the different people um, and, and again I spoke on this You you see matrilineal Or twin lineal societies um, Throughout the continent Throughout pre Throughout pre-colonial Africa And even if some of the societies Were patriarchal it, it, Lineage through the man It did not have And did not carry the same weight and did not translate the same as European patriarchy. And, and you got to go study it. <laughs> I, I, I looked at it and checked it out. Now, of course, things have changed, and, and there's a lot of um, gender stupidity on the continent now, but I'm talking um, pre-tainted times. Um, and another way to show that is in, in all throughout the continent you see um, women being prominently displayed within the cosmogony, um, cosmogony and cosmology of the people. Um, within the Fawn people, you have the, one of the names for their um, creative forces is Mawu Lisa. Mawu, so so it's both both phrases with a dash. Mawu dash Lisa. Mawu is the feminine aspect of the supreme creative forces. And Lisa is the male aspect of the creative forces. Both of those tied together in the name. And and if you but what the interesting part is is going through Europeans to get that information you gotta dig for because they will still only list one of them. 
<laughs> they they don't do Mawu Dash Lisa, which is the way the people, the fine people, will tell you what their credit forces is. So you you got to do some digging to find that. Um, we know of, of ancient Kemet. You have you have Maat, which is a feminine principle, which we know the the, the seven attributes. But it's Ma'at which governs the totality of society, the truth and the righteousness. That's what governs the totality of society, and it's a female principle. Uh, Goddess Nu, the entire universe came through a woman within comedic um, cosmology and cosmogony. So Kimmon didn't have a problem with it. Within um, Zulu creation stories. Uh, in the book Anthem of the Decades, a magnificent book. If you can get a hold of it, grab it quickly. That's a magnificent book. They talk about um Bolwane, who was the only unbegotten daughter of um, Ivele Kanje, the creator. Yes, you heard that right. The, un- the, the, the unbegotten daughter of the creator. <laughs> Over here we get hit in the head with Jesus, and I'm deliberately not talking about the fake holiday today for a reason. But within Zulu cosmology, pre all the European stuff, they have, uh, within their creation story, um, information about um, Nokumbulwane. And I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I'd have to talk to some folks who are over there. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Um, which is the only begotten daughter of the Creator, um, and, and we could continue. So, so the the gender piece within Africa, within traditional Africa, was not an issue at one point. It, it's become an issue now as we've let other folks come in and dictate what they want to say about us and to us. But for folks that are in the chat room. Um, Brother Pianchi is putting in some good information about the um, Andama. Andama. I don't know if A N D A M A N. Andaman Islands and and um, about the Jarawa, the Onge, and the Centilese. Centennialese people. I'm sure I'm butchering the name, so I have to <laughs> get the correct pronunciations. But just looking at these people, you should be able to tell peppercorn hair, blue black skin. Um, they're over in 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 the islands of India, and it's possible they haven't been touched by cosmozoites in. 60,000 years, something like that. He just put the information in there, so I have to read it and check it out. And there are places on the continent, believe it or not, where Caucasoids still haven't been. <laughs> so so, so yeah, I'm sure those places are getting smaller and smaller as we speak, but all parts of the continent haven't fully been overran by um, Caucasoids. And so... Ah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading. <laughs> or we could learn one of their languages. And so <laughs> Pianchi said, so we can learn the history of ancient Africans. We would need to teach one of them English so they could communicate the stories to us before they die off. Or we could attempt to learn their language <laughs> and then 
then translated into English so then we could get the deeper conceptualizations of it because it would be coming from their language and then we would reconceptualize it in English versus them trying to reconceptualize it in English and give it to us, if if that made sense. But um, So, uh-oh, it's 10.05. So we're going to do, um, play another clip, anything. Uh-oh, somebody got their hand up. 314, hold on for a minute. Um, we're at the hour break, so we're going to play a clip some music and come back and then we're going to take the call, see where that goes, <laughs> and then hopefully after that jump right into um, identity because um, we're, 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 we're still letting other folks dictate our identity. We can't do that. Freedom is that the heart that beat in my chest Won't let me stop until one of us is bleeding to death I been with my brothers, I can say that I love them Cause it's black people, we're all responsible for each other The kids you make, you're screaming blood clots Dominicans with no socks The only difference between us is the vote stop Don't let them confuse you, you just letting them use you Believe in everything they tell you That there's something that fools do Take a moment and look and just open the book The people that they say was rape was just killers and crooks George Washington owned over 300 slaves, but this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. I want to dig him out of the grave and shoot him right in his face. Put a needle in his vein and just inject him with AIDS. Some people try to tell me forget about the past. I can shoot you right now and forget about your ass. How we gonna forget about 400 years? All the blood, sweat, and tears and the murder and the kids. Killed the men and the women and nobody did a bit. Better scrap off the table in the stomach of a pig. I still feel the pain of those murders and slain on the body. I'm a revolt, being shackled and chained. I'm a friend of the demon, so as long as I'm breathing. No more getting over, now it's time to get even. Time to organize the people with your clicks and crew. Time to bring it to the soup and the boys in blue. I do what I gotta do with this delivered the fact. They putting bricks by the sacks on the back of the black. We better organize as we want to survive. Cause I'm a vegan freedom fighter to the day that I die. Anybody black comes from the same root. We are, I'm still loud now. 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 We are, I'm still loud now.
African when I step up in the place. Uh-oh. Like we're all on the same plane. Like we're all from the same tribe. But mama with it had a feeling with the same pride. African. I was born in Jamaica with African roots. From the DMG African roots. All around the world my African youth. Come back around up the African truth. All is one. It doesn't really matter where we all are from. I've got a dream you can call it dumb. But I want to hear you singing this with all your lungs right.
I think many of I think we've spent a lot of time doing our textbook studies and the things that uh the Diops and, and Ben's and them done was marvelous things and we're not taking those where you know, where they should be because uh curriculum should be developed out of that information. But now we need to get out in the field and do these studies. Uh groups like these particular ones that uh, I'm mentioning there on those websites need to be investigated. And no, they would need you we would have to teach one of them English before we learn their language because in learning their language we wouldn't know if we got it right. And they would have to tell us. And it, coming them learning how to speak one of the, the modern languages, then they could more better yet easily tell us, you know, their story. And I think that's about the only way that we're going to, you know, even the hieroglyphs. I'm for one in saying that those uh, hieroglyphs, the metanature, have not been deciphered. And one of the reasons why is because the people that is getting claimed for deciphering have a different mindset than what we have. And I'm saying that we would have to go all the way down into the inner interior of Africa and start our kindergarten classes there and then work our way down the now, you know, interacting with people and picking up this and picking up that before we can really understand exactly what those folks was talking about. I don't know if you ever had any contact with people on the continent. I think I believe you probably have, but you know how even how they refer to or phrases, for instance, uh, if you call one up and you say, I'm coming over to your house, are you supposed to say, I'm you say I'm coming? You know, if they if one is going into the next room to get a book or something, they say, I'm coming. They don't say, I'm going. They say, I'm coming. Uh, another thing is that uh, if I was to ask you, I'd say, uh, you didn't break that window, did you? Well, if you were the African, you wouldn't say no. You would say yes. You would say yes to what I'm saying not yes to what you didn't do. And uh, we have to, you know, we look at look at things in a different view. Huh? I mean, uh, we are Americans. I mean, we can say whatever we want to, but uh, when we, because of reasons that's beyond our control, we are, we act American. We, even the, the, what we call Chinese food is not Chinese food. It's American Chinese food. So we have to get on the ground with with people in these lands, in those countries, and intermingle with them and observe exactly, you know, how they go about carrying their everyday life to better understand them. And I spent eight years, you know, between Cairo and northern Sudan, border down the in and out of temples and pyramids and tombs and you know, it takes at least that long before you can really understand what's going on. There's so much to see. And I, I would recommend people go there first, even before they come down into West Africa, because you can get a better appreciation for uh, what we, you know, what black people have done. And it's just marvelous to think. I mean, there's no reason in the world we should be telling stories about the things that we talk about. We have, I mean, movies, we can make movies on the imperialistic attitudes, the imperialistic feats that black people have done. You know, blacks were just as imperialistic as Americans is today. 
with your osmosis, your menkeparatu, who demays, and the expansion that they, uh, you know, the phrase that George Bush used, uh, take it to them. Well, you know, we had black students that done the same thing, you know, at a point in history. And those stories, those things that they've done would make good stories, make good movies. And I don't know why come we not, why we not doing. Look what Pianchi and them done. Uh, uh, you can use those stories, those actual historical things, and go to the Bible and see where if what's being told in the Bible is lie. Like Second Kings uh, nineteen and thirty five, where when uh, Shebekchu, uh defeated one hundred and forty four thousand Assyrians, well they gave credit to the angel of the Lord in seven hundred one BC. So, and another thing, we need to study Cush, that powerful land. Uh, we all gra- uh, gravitate uh, to Egypt, but uh, there's a lot of history down in, in uh, southern Ethiopia, as it's called, they in Tamir and Tanishi. And, and on further. Afar, Aset, and Haru were real live people that were legendized, and as time went by, they became de- deified. So we got a, a marvelous history. We need to get out in the field and get out there and get our hands dirty and start digging, start doing field research as far as interviewing and so forth. And then we can claim what it is we're trying to claim just by going to the books and being arms, armchair scholars a whole lot better. <laughs> Agreed. I was hoping that, that, you know, Temple, I mean, I'd like to assume they might be doing some of it. I'm not sure. But it would, you know, Temple, the, 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 the Afrocentric Ph.D. program, it would be nice if they could, if they would have been the group to take the lead on that, assumedly since they got a little bit of money since they in the European university system, so they should have some money, to give some grants and scholarships for folks to do some of that first-hand research, that primary research, because I would like to, hell, personally go and, and, and sit, with the, for a year or so with, with the Twa people and, and yeah. bring that information back because, you know, they're they're arguably one of the oldest groups on on the planet, you know, and, and, and what they yep. got to say and maybe trickle down to the San people and figure yeah, out what got, they got to right. say. There in Burkina Faso with the story of the uh, Como Belly, uh, where we get the Alice in Wonderland story, where they, where they get the Alice in Wonderland story. I've had experience with them little short pieces mm. myself from spiritual way, and we don't have enough time on, on this program to talk about it. But uh, that's some place I would like to go. I would like. I, I have a 13 year old grandson, and uh, I would like for him to go through his initiation, uh, similar to what Melatonin Somme went through there mm. in the Kara area of Burkina Faso, which is actually just the northern region of Ghana. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And for the record. Uh, Kanet Amen Makara Hepsetshit. There on the temple there at Zorjrit, Zorjru, the most select and holiest, beautiful places there on the west bank of the, the Nile, right there in Swanee, now called Aswan, is the story of how she was born of an immaculate conception. Her spiritual father is Amen. And Amen was tired of mixed children. He wanted to have a pure solar child. So he went to her mother, which was Queen Akmosis, and Amun impregnated 
her mother, and she gave birth to you know to her as, as a of the child. So that was an immaculate conception in its own. There's many immaculate conception stories, and, and of course uh, they come from us. Could you quickly? I know you're about to go. Could you quickly share where you got that from, so we can, if for folks who want to follow up on that, they can dig it up. And do oh, that just do the. Uh, well, it, it's uh, when you, if uh, people have opportunity, and I would recommend going with Ashwa Quaid. He's a master teacher. There's no better person out there. I'm not taking anything from anyone. But crazy is really a genius at it. But if you have opportunity to go to uh, the Valley of the Kings in that area, and you go to uh, the temple, the temple is called uh, Zorzret, Z-O-S-R-E-T, Zorzru, Z-O-S-R-U, and I'll put it in the chat room. And it means the most select and holier places. And they're on the colonnade right to the right on the lower level before you go up those 42 steps, which in it, which is a representative of the 42 gnomes throughout the country. And gnomes is just like counties or, you know. Uh, there is the story uh, of her being, uh, you know, born of a monkey conception. And also the story of the uh, uh, them sending an expedition to punt Punt land, which is Somalia, it wasn't uh, Libya, and uh, them bringing back, uh, you know, trading with those, those their brothers and sisters there in that part of the country, that part of the continent. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Put that, go and throw that up in the chat room. Yeah. Thank you for your all right. Let's keep, you you keep doing the good work you're doing. I really appreciate it. The the uh, brother that you was using. Uh, Odifera. Yeah, yeah, Quasi Ra. Yeah, yeah, Quasi Ra. I know of him. A friend of mine have a lot, off a lot of his uh, material, and he's very good. But you know, I'm gonna tell you something else, and I'm gonna leave. See, those, the DNA within us is still there, and we can't bring. See, we can't bring it back. It's so far in us that it's difficult to bring it out. Because if it was close to the top, we would be dreaming about things of that part of the world. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've had dreams of places, finding yourself in places that you ain't never been. Well, that's the DNA in you that have experienced that, and it never forgets. And I guess it's just like a cassette. Every now and then it'll pop up, and lo and behold, you're looking at that movie. But uh, that DNA still lies within us. But we just don't understand how to go into ourselves and, you know, pull it out. Where we can better look at, uh, you know, that that time in history. All right, man. I'm getting ready to continue listening. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you for your addition. All right. Peace. Come on, minutes. Less off the top of my head today, so. Um, but what's next Sunday? Hopefully next week I'll get more time to go into the research and what I wanted to do with this identity piece. Um, we're Africans. We are descendants 
of the first folks who walked upright, who were on the planet. And every scholar that's worth their weight mentions that and brings that up. And since we talked about Baba Mawali earlier, he's got a quote that's saying one of the, the secrets to the success of the black Muslim movement was their use of things African. Um, everyone, every group, every one of our splinter groups, I should say, uh, got big, got into prominence, or staying sort of big, staying sort of into prominence because of their, screw it, I'm going to say it, through their skillful manipulation of African information to their own ends and to their own um for their own agendas. The 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 African centered camps, the self avowed African centered camps are the only group that's using the African information for African ends. The damn Moors misuse African information for their ends. The damn Hebrews misuse African information for their ends. The, the 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 Muslims and space Muslims and Christians and space Christians and now I hear there's even some aqua or water Christians. So, well, I guess that's the the the, the folks. That, that that's probably still the Moors too, just dealing with underwater and land masses that can be found. All of them are using and misusing African information for their own ends, and they want to get us caught up on the appendages to our reality, the additions, for better or for worse, to our African reality instead of just solely dealing with our African reality. They still have self-identity issues. They still have self-hatred issues. Since towards the end of the year before, you know, January, um, I think it was in November. That's when I had the hour show over on um, Come Out 301 proper here at Blog Talk. And that's when I think the first hour of my show was going directly with um, what uh, the Amin Rasquad was doing. It was interesting that on that particular day in November, on Sunday, we both, you know, we're doing separate shows, but we sort of said the same thing on this identity piece, but in totally different ways. Now, now, for anyone that listens to Brother Ankh and I'm a Ross Squad, you know, he be cussing up a storm. But it's within context of what he's talking about, and 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 you know me, you know, sometimes sometimes I throw in a swear here or there, but. I try to, you know, come with the books and break it down and all that sort of stuff. But what I'm going to play is two clips from the same day, one from Brother Aunt and one from me, um, dealing with the identity piece. And I'm trying to see which one I want to play first. I'll play me first. He, this, we got to get this identity piece down. We got to. Black power will be achieved and become a most potent power in the world to the degree 
that disempowering ideologies, propaganda, and social conditioning techniques employed by white supremacist consciousness and the negative feelings and tendencies they actively invoke are compellingly refuted and neutralized by blacks themselves. Our negative implanted feelings toward Africa will still have us stop short of returning all the way home to Mother Africa for solutions. In the self-abnegating pit stops, we pick up and try to blackenize other people's ways, religions, and cultures. We will be Moors, Hebrews, blackenized Christians, colorized Muslims, Buddhists, nebulous New Age spiritualists, everything but returning home to raw, uncut Africa because we still harbor within ourselves the negative propaganda that Africa never has and never will have anything to offer us or the world. And again, no. until we break that and cleanse our consciousness of those lies, we will still fall short. So now that was that was for me on on a show that I did in November, and then the same day <laughs> in November, Brother Ah from the Amira Squad had this breakdown to say, which is just I mean the, 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 I guess the consciousness was moving <laughs> that day, and and he basically was saying sort of the same thing, but in Brother Ah style. So he's passing. So if you got little kids around or if you're at work or whatever, you might want to mute this. <laughs> uh, but but the, 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 it, once you listen to it, the cussing is well within context. It's clear. It, it, it's concise. It breaks it down. It makes it pl- all that sort of stuff. So I'm trying to talk a little bit. So if you got to move the kids or turn some stuff down or put the headphones on, you can do that. But this is one of the clearest breakdowns of the, of, of our African identity and, and coming back home that I have heard in a very long time. And I want to thank Holip, Mr. Holipsism for pointing it out to me. And then, of course, you know, I listened to the whole show. But this particular, oh, I'm going to just shut up and let y'all hear it. Okay, I hope y'all didn't turn volume down, do what y'all need to do, because this is... Um, <laughs> NC-17, all right, but it's about four minutes long, and it's directly on point. Let me make this real clear, all right? The only fucking reason we ever listened to the Nation of Islam because they used that black shit. The only fucking reason we listened to Nation Gods on Earth because they used that Black shit. The only reason we listen to the black Hebrews because they used that black shit. The only reason we listen to the black Christian nationalists because they used that black shit. And if we can agree that they all used that black shit, then why not go back to the black shit? That is Word. the mama which is made. That is the point. Why they continue to play games with me? You're using my black shit 
and covered it up with, with the bullshit. So yeah. all you do is wipe off the bullshit and get you the black shit, which is the only shit. It makes absolutely no sense. You go to church. You go to church. You pray. You dance and you sing. You go to a white church. You sit there like a fucking mom. The difference between the white church and the black church is the black shit. So why not just go back to the black shit? Go to the most high point of anything. Go home before you was corrupted. It is a clear time frame reference where the only people on the planet were those black people. There was no Islam. There was no Judaism. There was no lessons. There was no gods on earth. There was no word for God. Just the original people vibing with each other. Soul, soul, son, being. So I'm not mad if you continue to use my black stuff, but don't get mad at me because I refuse to be tricked. Give me the uncut thing, okay? I said this before. If you're going to get high for cocaine, don't sniff the scramble. Get the raw shit, all right? If you're going to practice spirituality, get the raw shit. Stop dealing with the cut. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Nation of God on Earth, West Muhammad, they all deal with the cut. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. It ain't even hard to see. It's very, very simple. So I'm not trying to advocate or even say, well, they're using this. Well, if they're using that, why don't they go back to the stuff they claim they use? If, if they use that in, in their literature, right, and they say it's right and exact, then why not go back to the point of origin of the things that they claim is right and exact? If you're going to use uh, Timbuktu, if you're going to use uh, ancient African science, if you're going to use the pyramids and say, yeah, but you created that, right? You already know if we take anything you're talking about, then why not go back to that? That is the fundamental difference. I refuse to stay in mediocrity. I refuse to be conquered by religion. You're conquered by religion if you're trying to explain to me that the brothers are talking about the black stuff, but they're still Muslims. They're conquered by religion. With the first thing that ever walked upright. With the first people that ever thought about reading and writing. Philosophical thought, mathematics, science. You cannot defeat your enemy with the cut. He will wash your cut ass away. That's why I say what I say Because it's black African power Not black Christian Muslim Hebrew Dazzler power That is no power That's called lack of power And you're suffering from post-traumatic slave syndrome Inferiority complex Those brothers have If you're Muslim And you're black Muslim You're suffering from an inferiority complex if you're a Christian and you're a black Christian, you're suffering from an inferiority complex. If you're a nation gods on earth, you're suffering from an inferiority complex because you're saying that some people came in and gave you something and now you accept it, meaning your system was inferior to what was brought into you. And I refused to do that. You can't get no clearer than that. Okay. 
<laughs> Come home. <laughs> uh, folks are getting caught up and want to get everyone else caught up in when we were black Christians, when we were black Muslims, when we were black Moors, when we were black Hebrews and black Hebrew Israelites, and we was black this and black that, and we want to give the deference and we want to give the totality of everything to that and bypass when we were black, black. <laughs> Everyone wants to know the African origins of this and the African origins of that, but don't no one ever want to fully get into the African origins of Africa and Africanness and Africanity. That's what Africa's reascension is about. That's why I had to mute a whole boy last week when he's trying to talk about Arab is the Arabic is the black man's true language. You you trying to cut me off from thousands and hundreds of thousands of years of my history and just get me centered on three AD up until the present? Nah, bro, I'm older than that. I was talking long before some Arabic came in. I had gods and goddesses and ancestors long before some Allah. I had all this long before the thought of you came around. And it's interesting that since Africa is in the shape that it's in, it's on the right now losing side of what's going on. That's why it seems like folks don't want to identify with her, with all this information that is out there, folks don't want to identify with her. If she was, when she was back on top, when she was on top at one time, you had Greeks and Romans running over there trying to be, trying to get a piece of. But now that 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 other folks have ran up in her and and got her on the low point on the um, geopolitical human scale right now, her own children don't want to don't want to acknowledge the mother. And we will go through loops and hoops and all types of bull to not see mama. And I said this over on on the, the, the shortened show. We will half-read, half-read books, half-watch YouTube lectures, half-watch DVDs just to give some of the Moorish stuff some validity. I just saw, I was watching YouTube yesterday, and there was a nice little clip on there of Dr. Clark talking about nationality and how important that is. And it was put up and being used by some of the Moorish folks. And I'm just like, again, it goes back to what Brother Anka said. You using our shit <laughs> to promulgate your shit. Dr. Clark ain't never said he was no more. He ain't need to get caught up in the science fiction of some underwater lands that can't be proven to have ever existed. He was African, and he knew that. Um, but folks 
just want to piecemeal and parcelize folks for their own particular agenda, and it's just upsetting. Um, I guess I have a few minutes to go into this. Uh, for anybody that wants it, hit me up at Command three oh one K A M A U three zero one at Yahoo dot com. Um it was it's a magnificent article that was done in two thousand and five in the Sankofa Journal, the Pan African Journal um of Nation Building and Reafricanization. And it was called Definition and Direction in African Identity. It was done by a mama Mama Kuya Koto and Baba Ajaya Koto. And it walks through, again, definitions and direction in identity. Uh, we're not going to be able to get all the way into the piece, probably won't even fully do it justice. Um, but if you want the total piece, you know, hit me up. You can read it at your leisure. They started off with a quote from Dr. Clark. When you want to lose a people from history, you first destroy their self-confidence and historical memory. This is the basis of our dilemma. Our enemy wants us to forget who we were so we will not know what we can still be. Of all the many and profound challenges that confront Africans everywhere in the world, the most formidable is the challenge of identity. The prioritization of defining African identity is appropriate at this point in our history and the Sankofa movement. In elaborating on the Anyame Sheshe paradigm of reaffinization and nation building, we listed six challenges in the personal transformation process. Foremost among those challenges is the challenge of identity. Uh, and here, from they're, they're about to quote from their book, The Sankofa Movement. Um, again, if you go to blogtalkradio.com slash Kamal301, I've done quite a few shows where I use that particular book um, in the rotating books that are going through. And so if, if you call yourself African-centered, you want to get that book. If you call yourself anything else, you one, I would say don't get it, and two, I would say you ain't going to like what's in there, but you definitely won't be able to use this information um, for your own agenda. They are quite clear and unambiguous about the, the, the African identity taking prominence. So, um, But, yeah, they, they, their quote here dealing with identity, ambivalence, or denial of one's Africanity by the phenotypic African person is a manifestation of the enemy's continued grip on our people's consciousness. Comfort in one's Africanity is strengthened and gains depth as we are able to distance ourselves from the enemy's paradigm, its reality and concurrently embrace our own. Let me repeat that. Comfort in one's Africanity is strengthened and gains depth 
as we are able to distance ourselves from the enemy's paradigm and its reality and concurrently embrace our own. Identity of the collective and personal self is the necessary reference point for social, political, and economic analysis, planning, and constructive action. Now, before I continue, as I started off the program after the Apaya, how you see yourself, how you identify yourself, shapes everything else about you. So if you see yourself as a more, you then see yourself as either not having a homeland or a physical place or trying to claim the entire planet. But there's culture that's involved in there. How did you live? How did you treat people? What language did you speak? What gods did you pray to? That's not a universal type of thing. That is a very specific um, cultural piece right there. So giving me this, uh, this, this notion of, oh, well, you know, we, we, we want the whole planet. That doesn't give cultural specificity. I can make the argument that all traditional people all throughout the continent have similarities, from the Maori in New Zealand to the Kwao people of the Solomon Islands to the, um, um, to the quote-unquote Negritos in, in Malaysia and the Philippines, um, to to what the what Brother Pianke just showed um, with the in the Ottoman Islands, um, all throughout the continent, over in Brazil, I can, we can do that and break that down and show the Africanity in all those groups of people. So if you want to say that African people, that, that this whole planet is ours, you can only do that based off of a cultural argument by showing cultural consistency throughout the people on the planet, throughout the traditional people on the planet. And the traditional people on the planet did not call them freaking selves Moors. They had specific names for them, and they had specific deities that they worshipped. They had specific cultural practices that they dealt with. I have yet to hear somebody really jam up one of these Moors on cultural specificity, because if you really want to go there, it's Arab. It's Arabic. It's 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 whether you want to say the first Arab was black or not, they somehow this somehow black person who was the first Arab diverged from African culture to be called an Arab. He was called African all the way until something happened in his mind and he called himself an Arab. So there was a divergence from African thought and African reality. So, and I'm going to do a show about this. I'm putting this together right now because folks want to throw that up. Oh, well, the first one to do this was black. The first one to do that was black. You've got imposed thought from the outside, but you possibly also can have divergent thought from the inside. What was going on with those particular people in their particular environment that had them change from being an African to being an African dash, whatever the hell, 
African dash Muslim, African dash Christian, African dash Jew, African dash, because they they were all African at one point, and then something happened. There was some divergence in their thought that transformed them. And 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 once I work it out, hopefully that will then be able to finally crush this whole um, black. Blacks were the first to do. Blacks were the first Hebrews, and blacks were the first Jews. And even if they were, I'm gonna say it again. There was some divergence in their thought that steered them off of the African path that they had been dealing with for two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand years. So if you want to wiggle out and say, okay, well, you're dealing with the white Arabs and the white Christians and all that. We came up with this stuff. Well, no, we're about to put together the argument to shut that down, too. If you don't want to be African, just say so and leave the blog talks alone and leave the black nationalist groups alone and go do your own thing. But you will not, as long as I'm on the watch, use African information to confuse the people when these crackers are trying to make us extinct are trying to take us off the planet. This this misuse of African information to confuse people and to forward your own non-African agenda can no longer pass. I got a phone tangent. Going back to <laughs> definitions and directions in African identity, still got a few minutes left here. Inherent in both collective and personal self-identity are the imperatives for survival, including staunch resistance to oppression and tyranny and development, and development including self-perpetuation and full actualization of one's potential. This challenge of identity is the fundamental issue that will determine whether an African world community, or one of our terms for it be Sankofamon, defined in an impassioned pursuit of full sovereignty and empowerment, will emerge again on the world stage. So again, we got to get this identity piece right, <laughs> and 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 that will then determine our resistance to oppression and tyranny. Because if you call yourself a Muslim, any type of Muslim, then you're gonna try to, in some way, connect with the Muslims. And you're going to be in our way, our African way, when it's time for us to reclaim the totality of the continent. Because after we get the Chinese out, and after we get the Hindu out, and after we get the Caucasoids out, guess who else got to leave? Those damn Arabs. So that identity piece <laughs> will be crucial. And are we going to be dealing with full sovereignty and empowerment to reemerge on the world stage? Or are we going to continue to be flunkies um, and confused by other folks? Coming back to the piece again. Confusion on the issue of African identity is a consequence of the ongoing war being waged against the African. The principal battle area is the consciousness is the conscious and subconscious mind. That battle area resembles multiple hives of domesticated bees that are aroused but intoxicated 
and utterly confused regarding the routine assault on their respective hives and the product of their labors. While the bees swarm about in confusion, the fruit of their collective efforts is swooped up by the beekeeper. The hive is anesthetized by smoke laced with narcotizing and stupefying drugs. With an appropriately white hood and gloves, the beekeeper protect themselves from the few renegades who recognize their aggressive intentionality. The vast majority of the bees, however, are oblivious to the identity, intent, and methodology of the beekeeper. The bees are the human capital that feed the economic engines of empire and global hegemony. There are several billion human bees in the world today, a vast majority of whom are oblivious to the design and function of the socio-political and economic machine that perpetuates their condition of dependency and powerlessness. The beekeepers, corporate owners, and managers are the ideological and financial pimps, the predatory priests of unrestrained capitalism, democracy, Anglo-Saxon cultural supremacy, and the purveyors of war and environmental destruction. The beekeepers are the resurgent and revitalized ultra-white nationalists, the ruling elite who now control the levels, levers of global power. How much more time? Ah, got a minute left. Okay, yeah, there will be a little bit of overtime. I'm going to keep <laughs> reading this for a little while. And then see how much overtime I get on this new expanded show. If you want to continue listening live, 347-633-9561, 347-633-9561. And you can even, um, if you're going to call in, put your hand up if you want to add in some stuff to this. Um, then, like I say, hopefully next week we'll fully delve into part two of our identity confusion. Like I said, this was just 1.5. Yebede Inconem, we will be victorious. Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation. We'll play the close, and then we'll come back and read some more from Definition and Direction in African Identity. of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. Good. God, I love my marimba. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to do a whole show one time. Now that i got two hours. So. 
or at least dedicate an hour just to that one particular quote because it's just that powerful. But anyway, let's keep going with the bee, beekeeper analogy. Again, this is coming from the Sankofa Journal, the Pan-African Journal of Nation Building and Reaffinization, 2005, Definition and Direction in African Identity by uh, Baba Kwame Okoto and Mama Kuya Okoto. Magnificent husband and wife team, been doing this for 30 years, probably 30 plus. The smoke and drugs, which render the hive impotent, is analogous to Western European slash American socio-political mythology of elevated ideals, including universality, democratic liberalism, capitalism, messianic religion, and enlightened imperialism, miseducation, diseducation, stupidification, domestic diplomacy, and consumerism sustains the bee's illusion of freedom such that it never ventures beyond the white box that is its whole world. White supremacy, the ruling radical white nationalists, the conservative movement, and the imperialism of Western civilization with its legacy of perpetual war, global genocide, humanitarian intervention, slavery, resource rape, economic strangulation, constitute the formidable but obstructed, obscured, excuse me, the formidable but obscured foundation of the current world order. This obscured foundation provides the rationale, policy goals, strategy, and tactics for the beekeepers of the world. And then the next paragraph um, just basically goes into how they started coming down <laughs> out of, okay, I'll read it. The rapid emergence of the world's current hegemonist with the status of global superpower is one more cyclic presentation of the carnage wrought in the Euro Indo Europeans expansion from the Hindu Kush mountains along the Euro Asian steeps. That expansion has proceeded over several millennia in tsunami like ways both both east and west, equipped with the harshness of the environment with the will to kill. The consequence of that expansion has been cycles of intensified chaos and carnage. The current worldwide proliferation of regional conflict, genocide, ethnic violence, preemptive and preventative war, military and cultural assault that has been fostered and perpetuated by the biogenetic and cultural heirs of those Euro-Asian migrants. This current ruling elite of Western ultra-white nationalists, neo-fascists, and enlightened imperialists have simply embraced and actualized their heritage with a fanaticism reminiscent of Hitler, Toyo, Mussolini, Custer, Napoleon, and Genghis Khan. 
one outcome of the cyclic waves of chaos has been the confusion of cultural identity and historic historical sensibility among those people, societies that have been the most violated. Africa's encounters with the Eurasian migrant, beginning with the initial waves to enter South Asia and later North Africa, combined with its own self-generated disorder, resulted in the intensification and hastening of Africa's decline and destruction. The scope, depth, and longevity of that cultural violation has severely handicapped existing African societies in addressing essential issues of survival, cultural identity and vitality, and development. Those issues and activities in which an unambiguous and firmly grounded conception of African identity will determine their viability and effectiveness include the following. A continued development of a coherent and comprehensive knowledge base for the Sankofa movement of reaffinization. The formulation of regional and trans-African political and economic development strategy and tactics. The systematic training of leadership for family, community institutions, business enterprises, international relations, kapuakapa, that's a Swahili word for et cetera. The establishment of enduring transnational pan-African cultural, political, economic linkages and institutions. The establishment of a consensus on the most profound and enduring moral, ethical standards of African antiquity. The continued and enhanced efforts to build strong and dynamic institutions, including culturally focused productive families and independent African-centered educational centers and the development and acquisition of material and human resources. All of this is confused. I'm out of the document now. All of this is confused because we are confused. All of this doesn't have a clear sense of purpose or direction because we don't have a clear sense of purpose and direction. We have to be clear on the identity piece to be able to actualize any of that. Regional, political, economic development strategies and tactics, trans-African, all of Africa and the diaspora, political and economic development strategies and tactics. You can't get that from the more BS. You can't get that from the, 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 the Christian BS. You can't get that from the Muslim BS. So, establishment of enduring, that means long-lasting, transnational, pan-African, cultural, political, and economic linkages and institutions. You can't get that if you've got one-third of the people thinking they Moors, one-third of the people thinking they, 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 they're in Islam, another third thinking they Hebrew. All of them got allegiances to different people outside of the African family. So you're not going to get that deep 
cohesive cohesion <laughs> that you need from that. Let me come back to the piece. Similarly, the very immediate issues of culture, relationships, parenting, and what wealth parenting, wealth building, and management are dependent on the clarification and resolution of the challenge of identity. Let me repeat that. Similarly, the very immediate issues of culture, relationships, parenting, wealth building, and wealth building and wealth management are dependent on the clarification and resolution of the challenge of identity. Now, I have another nice pull quote here. The reaffirmization movement over the past four decades has witnessed a substantial effort among African historians, psychologists, organizations, and institutions to address the issue of African identity. Among the many outstanding efforts of those are Chancellor Williams, Shankanta Joe, Dr. Clark, Marimba Ani, um, Baba Bafour, um, Asa Hilliard, um, Jacob Carruthers, Amos Wilson, um, Kobe Cambone, uh, Wayne Nobles, um, and others. There is an emerging consensus that African identity is rooted in the unique history of African people and the essential features of the culture that have been birthed by that history. Nana Shankantajil posits that cultural identity is the product of three factors, historical, linguistic, and psychological. He maintained that the historical factor is the cultural cement that unifies the disparate elements to make them into a whole historical continuity. Everybody wants to leap and leech off of the African peace, but don't want to be African. And it's that very African thing that people don't want to be that will give us, or that has the best potential to give us, this liberation that we all talk about, this sovereignty that we all talk about, this better way of living that we all talk about. But again, folks want to use our black stuff, want to use and misuse our African information without re-identifying with the traditions of the continent. They want to identify with the appendage of Africa. Oh, they had Christianity and Kemet, brother. They got Christianity and Kemet when Kemet got ran over. And lost the ways of Ma'at and Jehuti and Amen-Ra. And you don't hear nothing else about Kemet after they got ran over. Then it becomes Egypt. But when it was Kemet, you ain't hear nothing about no Christianity, no Jesus, no Bible, none of that. It was the book of coming forth by day and by night. It was dealing with the, the, the 40-year mystery schools. It was dealing with the initiatory rites of, of the priests and priestesses. It was that. It was the temple complex. It was all of that that makes up Kemet. 
by the time this Christian thing gets in there, it's done. It's over. The greatness of Kemet is no more. So don't talk to me about Christianity started in Kemet in Egypt because you're telling me about the time when Kemet fell. You're not talking about when Kemet was great. Don't come talking to me about the Ethiopian Coptic Christianity because that's when Ethiopia fell and got ran over on. Talk to me about when Ethiopia was great, thousands and thousands of years before the incursions. If you're not talking to me about that, then you're not talking to me about Africa and African people. You're talking about, again, either divergent thought or something came in from the outside that transformed the people and that crushed, eventually crushed their greatness. So I don't want to hear about no African origins of bullshit because that's not when we were great. That's not when we were on top of the world, not in the imperialist sense, but when the world came to us for their knowledge, our, when the world came to us for their knowledge. No Christians, no Hebrews, no Muslims, no Moors, no none of that. And even with Kemet, I just was hearing some other stuff that Kemet did, that there was some Moors. During the, 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 the late dynasties, they, they was around then. They were still an appendage. What great civilizations did they have back then? None. Nothing. Stop trying to sidestep Africa. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Let me come back to the piece. It is from within that most ancient historical continuum that the core of Africa's cosmology becomes glaringly apparent. The essence of that core is spirit. It is this basic essential core of a dynamic African spirituality of communalism, collectivism, merging or uniting into holistic synthesis, that is the driving energy of the African personality. If you're not talking about that, you're not talking about Africa. You're talking about an addition to Africa, an appendage on Africa, but you're not talking about Africa proper. Coming back. Accordingly, the basis of African identity or the African personality is the deeply rooted, unconscious, and genetically based African spirituality engaged in a perpetual and timeless drive to actualize, affirm, and perpetuate its wholeness or unity. M.J. Wade Nobles uses a statement by Baba Ba for um, Asa Harriet, to be African or not to be, to frame the ongoing dialogue on the nature of African identity. He therefore situates the dialogue regarding African identity slash personality on the concept of authenticity. He defines authenticity as being indisputably connected to that which brought you into existence. Further, he states that the search for human, for human meaning is, in fact, the search for the authentic core, which gives one a sense of essence 
and drives the proper response to the demands of experiencing life, end quote. We're in accord with both the ancestral mandate inherent in um, Baba Bafor's statement, to be African or not to be. We also agree that pursuit and elaboration of the African's authentic core is essential to defining the African reality. And then they go on... um, make a small distinction between identity and personality. Um, And then they walk through what the identity is, what identity is. There are several key components of African identity on which there is broad agreement. All of these key components are dynamic and potent entities. The product of their interaction is identity. Hear that. The product of their interaction is identity. And I use this piece in the um, in, in in my debate with Asari Mahotep. The components can be classified as temporal, spatial, accessible, and determined by material factors, and metatemporal, that which is inaccessible and only remotely or marginally influenced by factors of the material. So within the identity. These key components under the metatemporal is spirit, and under the temporal or spatial is phylogeny, phylogeny, which is the biogenetic history, which includes phenotypic development, history, culture, and psychic function. Those five factors together are identity, spirit, phylogeny or biogenetic history, history proper, culture, and psychic function, which is cognitive, intellectual, and emotional function. So now folks just usually want to focus on the phylogeny piece, the biogenetic, the, the, the phenotypic, if you black, just black alone, as, as being enough for identity. And I've done enough shows over at Kamal 301 blog talk to show that just skin color unity alone has not gotten us where we want to be and will not get us to where we need to be. And the key word and the the key phrase in that sentence was alone. It's a big part of it. <laughs> black, black, black. That that that's a big part of it. But that alone isn't gonna get us where we want to go. Um, the psychic piece, the, the the cognitive, intellectual, and emotional functioning, um, those help drive and create and further along the identity piece. Um, The spirit piece, and they go almost a page and a half breaking that down. Um, A lot of us want to, I've heard too many times, oh, let's just put the religion aside and and focus on this, 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 that, and the other because we had too many differences. I'm sorry, within the identity piece, 
the spirit is the key part, is a key part. And how you engage, how you how you even understand the spirit forces shapes your identity. If you feel that once you die, that's it, that's gone, that's you die, <laughs> then then that's gonna shape how you engage the world. However, if you see that if you understand that if you pass, you be you, you, you die. That within three to seven generations you may come you will come back within your own lineage to complete certain things uh, that you didn't do your first time around. That's a totally different conceptualization of the universe. First of all, you gotta look at the universe differently to understand that point. But then you got to look at and deal with the universe differently to then conceptualize it and then continue it on and move forward. And so if you're coming from one particular or a few particular non-African religious backgrounds, then that piece of what I just said will make absolutely no sense to you whatsoever. However, if you if you have reconnected to Yoruba, reconnected to Akan, reconnected to Vodou, reconnected with the Kemetic system even, or or if you're still connected to a traditional system, then what I said makes perfect sense to you. But again, the spirit piece alone won't get us to where we need to be. All five of those areas have to be fluid and be working and be on the African, (laughs) the traditional African side to move us forward. Um, Because there's plenty of people who got the African spirit piece, but their their cultural framework is all tied to America or wherever they are. their their history gives deference to other people's forefathers and foremothers so they can't even fully see their own bloodline ancestors who are screaming from the spirit realm to have them interact with them and do some stuff so they can help them out on this side. So so all of those five factors, spirit, biogenetic history, including phenotypic phenotypic development, history, culture, and psychic function all have to um, be intertwined and be influenced by the African worldview in your being. To have the African identity piece and then to move forward um, where we need to be. So I'm going to stop there because if I was to continue, I'd continue with the spirit piece one, because they saw the need to, again, almost, yeah, that's about two and a half pages to break that down. And then everything else they used about a half a page <laughs> to break it down. Um, but all of those areas are the are how we should be defining identity, all of those areas. And 
if we're not, then we're piecemealing it and we're not going to fully move forward um, with what we need to do. We reiterate here that the first challenge in reaffirmation is the challenge of identity. Personal identity is a function of the collective identity. That collective identity is manifest for the individual initially in the collective context of family. Now, just right there, those two sentences are so deep. <laughs> the challenge of identity involves engaging and slaying the dragons of menticide, Manichean thought, cultural misorientation, and maladaption, and above all, fear. It requires a committed, systematic, and disciplined effort in the reaffirmation transformative process. The recovery, reconstitution, and revitalization of the African historical consciousness and cultural identity are crucial steps in African world development. The motive concepts for this component are cultural identity, historical continuity, and focus. Personal identity is a function of collective identity. The collective identity is manifest for the individual initially in the collective context of family. If you're coming from a Western modality, that will make no sense to you because you're the rugged individual and family is secondary or tertiary to you. So so your personal identity is individualistic. You exist in a vacuum and you're an atomized individual because that's coming from how Caucasoids have trained us. And even within the splinter groups within quote unquote conscious movement, you 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 see that that hyper individuality um, function and sort of thrive. Um, and you see this non-emphasis of family within these other splinter groups too. It's all about the masses, the masses. We got to wake the masses up. A beautiful quote that I heard, while nations change, family is forever. While nations change, family is forever. So somewhere in this struggle, we have gotten misguided to putting all of our energy out there on the, 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 this, the, the, on the masses, on these individuals that are floating around here and that are doing whatever, whatever, whatever. And the emphasis has been taken off of getting the family together, getting the mindset of of just your children together. We got plenty of theories out there. It's within the context of family that you can test out all those theories and see what works and what doesn't work. What needs to be tweaked and what needs to be just thrown all the way away. If you attempt to test out some of these theories along larger masses levels, um, you're going to turn some folks off. You can mess some folks up. 
you could try out a theory on on a hundred hundred folks and it'd be wrong. And then what? You got a hundred folks that don't want to deal with you anymore. Versus if you got a couple of kids and you try out a theory and it don't work, okay, that's fine. It's a bit easier, you know, depending on how you did it. It's a bit easier to then navigate to another one of the theories within within our movement, within your own family, than with a large group. It's a lot easier to inculcate values and, and, and socialization amongst your family versus with a hundred, a thousand independent individuals who you are only seeing when y'all meet once a week or once a month or annually, hell. This 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 idea that the focus should be on the masses has really effed us up for the last 40, 50, 60 years. And, again, I spoke about it at, at length on um, Kamal 301, the blog talk show over there, the, the, the shorter Africa's reascension. But we really, really got to look at that. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any consciousness raising about amongst the masses. I'm saying it should be like 70, 30, 80, 20. <laughs> the larger percentage is the in-house work, the family work, or the inner organization work. And the smaller amount of time is put to the masses and the consciousness raising and all that other sort of stuff. Um, and so that's why I said those two phrases, those two sentences just are so packed just within what they say, because if you don't see yourself as a collective, if you see yourself as an individual, if you don't put an emphasis on family, then you just miss that whole piece. It flies right over your head. Um, the challenge of identity involves engaging and slaying the dragons of menticide, cultural misorientation, cultural maladaption, and above all, fear. Folks are still afraid to be African. Folks are still afraid to call upon, to do a libation in a public setting. I have yet to see any African head of state do a traditional libation with with thousands of cameras around him, him or her, because Liberia lady ain't did it either. We're afraid to be African. We have fear of it. We have fear, again, going back. I'm going to make that, that, that quote to that, that four-minute piece from the Amara Squad. I'm going to try to make that a regular part of the show because, again, it just so succinctly <laughs> expresses what I try to express in, in two hours. We have fear of raw, uncut Africa, raw, uncut African spirituality, of dealing with African forces on her own terms. We're fearful. I've heard people say it directly, but you can definitely see it in our actions. I will claim Africa all up and down except on the identity piece and call myself a Christian, an African Christian. And I'll create research and, and, and make up shit where I ain't there to show you that Africans, Africans created Christianity so I ain't got to change from being a Christian versus 
going back and dealing with Africa before the thought of a Christian entered into Africa. I will create and make up stuff and hopefully yell the loudest so I don't have to change and come back home directly and succinctly and prostrate myself to the traditions of Africa. All the negative boogie-boogie mans and all the negative spear-chucking stuff and all the negative Tarzan stuff is still in our consciousness and still in the depths of our souls. Even while we call ourselves pro-black, even while we call ourselves conscious, even while we call ourselves this, this, that, and the other, it's still there. And our response to direct and raw Africa exposes us, exposes ourselves. Still got some time. So I get 30 minutes over time. Let's keep going. Nah, I ain't going to keep talking just to hear myself talk. All right, so next week we'll go ahead and really get into the identity piece. Maybe even, I'm sure I'll continue to use some more of this piece uh, because we we, we have to succinctly more parcel out um, the African worldview so that you can clearly see it. So then when somebody comes and talks about, oh, there's African wars and African Muslims and African Christians and all, you can clearly see what it means to be (laughs) African-African, and then you will be able to clearly see what got added on to the African. And then what eventually got eroded from the African to be this appendage, to identify with this appendage. Because to be an African Muslim, unless you're a Sufi, you got to give up identification with your ancestors. you got to give up identification with the nature forces. You just have to focus on Allah. you got to give it up. And and I know I got, got folks over in Morocco and in, you know, northern Africa who who share information with me and talks about the adaptability of the traditional Africans with Islam and they do some of them do this and this and that and all that. And it just makes me wonder how much more would we be able to do in North Africa if we didn't have the appendage of Islam holding us spiritually down. Yeah, we've been able to graft on this and graft on that and add this in and add that in because, you know, we're accommodating people and all that sort of stuff. But we already got some idea of what Africa looked like before the damn appendage came. And so it would be beautiful to experience that again once we shake off the damn appendage. Okay, I'm about to get started back up again. We ain't going to do that. So, yeah, so next week, um, 
get into identity part identity confusion directly more more specifically. Like I said, this is just a in between piece because we had other stuff to deal with. Um, trying to give you ammo not only to fight the stupidity, but to help you yourself uh, make more sense of the African reality so you can get it more steeped into your being and go forward. Um, again, in in Shui, one of the languages in West Africa, Yabedi Inconem, Y-A, excuse me, Y-E-B-E-D-I, Inconem, N-K-O-N-I-M, we will be victorious, and Abibi Fahodie, total African liberation. Next week, same time, 9 o'clock here on Heru Ka Anu. He hasn't changed the name yet to Black Power Network, but hopefully soon. See you all next week. The best.